Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Live from Studio 6B, 8 o'clock on the East Coast on a Monday night. Glad you're in. Lots to do. Rick Delgado's here. Geo friend holding it down as always. And please welcome back to the show the one and only Slick Rick, Rick Amorati in the chair looking good. <laughs> there he is. Guys, wow. Stop back. asking me where he is. Stop sending me things about where he's going to be. What'd you do to him, Damon? Where are you hiding him? All this. In the flesh. In the flesh, there he is. Back and live. Welcome back. Thank you, Big Jack. D. Good to be back. Good to see you guys. Missed you. Oh, the, the, the audience is just absolutely incredible. The outpouring of messages through Getter and mm-hmm. Twitter. Oh, Big D. Saying get the hell back here. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. <laughs> Unbelievable. I'm glad you're back. Yep. I'm go. glad you're feeling well. Here we go. Now, oh, is this the Valentine's I, Day massacre here? Having, yeah. Having said that, let me just let's cover a couple things here. Okay. Okay. So about two weeks ago, you're you're here on now. You've been doing this show for how long? Yeah, about good two years. Okay. Coming up on two years. Two years. Thank you very much. And within those two years, we've covered a lot of topics on this show. Yes. But we have not covered anything more in those two years than coronavirus. Have we not? Uh, yeah, but we I would talk say a lot that's about the election. What we talk about the most, <laughs> at least in the last year. Within the last year, I would say yeah, COVID. Okay, is and key. within COVID, within that heading, I would say the thing we've talked about the most now below that would be what Rick Delgado. I'll come to you. Oh, I don't know. Uh, early treatment. Okay, maybe, uh... stop. That's enough. Oh, Thank okay. you. Okay, I'll leave it there. Geo, Fran, I'll come to you for one vote here. What have we talked about the most on this show when we talk about COVID? I mean, that would require me to be listening, so I don't know. <laughs> okay, good point. Okay. I may qualify for that, too. No. We've probably talked about early treatment and treatment. I mean, one of our sponsors is 7 com. <laughs> right. They have ivermectin. They, I've I'm, heard of it. Uh, you're aware of all of this, right? Absolutely. Okay, Absolutely. so let's just fast forward. We'll give the audience the short version because I want to have some listeners left tonight. You tell me you – well, first of all, you tell me you're not feeling good, Right. right? Yeah. And you and you say I'm going to I'm going to take a couple nights off. I said no problem. And you uh then say to me I'm feeling better. I might be back on Wednesday. I got a dry cough, you said. Right. So here's my first question. At any point in those first couple of days, did you think, <laughs> let me go get tested? Yeah, no, I, I had the in-home test, but it came out negative, which okay. was really strange. Okay. On Wednesday you say to me, I'm um I'm going to need a couple more days, still lingering cough. And then I say to you, do you want to get, are you, do you feel like um, you're, you're being, aggre- I don't feel like you're being aggressive enough in treating this. And you say the following to me. I went to the doctor and he gave me cough syrup. 
Uh, Tessalon pearls, which isn't a cough. It's actually a pearl, uh, actual pill. It's not a cough medicine. It's cough medicine, but it's not a syrup, as you would initially hmm. said. And upon receiving that, how did the first 48 hours go with your pearl? Did you feel any better? Um, you know what? The co- what it does is it keeps the cough from, you know, g- g- you know no getting question. I believe vibration. You know. But yeah, I felt a little better. I did a little bit, but not not, a, not extremely, but a little better. And then I got an inhaler, Simbacort. I took that, which okay. But up. now you're jumping ahead, though. Okay. So you say to me, I still need a few days off, and then I started to press you. Did I not through my text saying I don't think you're being aggressive enough? Yes, you did. Uh huh. Now you hadn't tested positive. Well, now by then you had tested positive, right? Yes. So that was what Thursday or Friday? Thursday. Yep. Thursday you test positive, so you say now it came back positive. So now I'm starting to get worried, and now I say to you, I don't think you're being aggressive enough. I don't know what kind of – well, we can't exactly say what I said because we'll get thrown off the air. But I said, I don't know what kind of doctor you're going to, but I think I said something to the effect of what the F does he think cough medicine is going to do if you're positive <laughs> for COVID or something like that, right? Right, yep. And you said what <laughs> – this is the line of the year. You said to me what? I'm riding it out. <laughs> <laughs> I, I sent them links to seven cells. I sent them links to the early treatment pack. I, saw, I told them I'd call them personally, have them shipped overnight. He sends back to me, says, oh, no, I think I'm just, I'll just ride it out. Yeah. But I know my body. You know, I spent 33 years in pharmacy, so I know what inhalers can do. And, and I, I, you know, I knew that that was the course of action I was going to take. I was working with my doctor, who I've known since he was a kid, and um, my Vinny pharmacist. Wumba. Yeah, Vinny Wombats. Uh, but, you know, I feel no worse for the wear. Would I have been able to reduce the time frame? That's the regret. I probably could have saved myself a good five days of feeling better if I would have followed Dr. Damon's regimen uh, <laughs> as opposed to Slick Rick. So I, I'll admit that. You know me. I'm, okay. I'm the first to admit when I'm wrong, and I'll admit okay. that. Well, we're glad you're fi- – we're glad you're – but that's the only thing that matter, ca- yeah. counts is that you're, you're feeling 100%. You are tested negative. Yes. Which is great. Yeah. Then you're back in action. Yes. Yeah. And, and Robitussin Rick, is, uh, um, <laughs> how's the cough coming along? Uh, <laughs> yeah, what All right, Diamond Tap Delgado. What did Vinny Vombat say this morning? Did he say anything? He, says, every, every, soup? he says, all looks well. You know, I feel like about eight on my energy level. I'll, I'll eventually I'll get that you know, get that going. I took some vitamin D3 and a couple other vitamin supplements. So hmm. I am feeling a little bit better. And uh, No, but okay. I'm back in action. But I am negative. I'd never come here if I wasn't, of Maybe course. Maybe the Z-Pack, the Ivermectin, the other thing that, that gets the Ivermectin all jazzed up and the um methylprednisone which i sent you a picture of and said why don't you look into this and sent you the link to order it and i gave you our code which would have saved you 10 percent i know well at one point i i did consider eating a john d attractor bumper but i i backed off i didn't do that but uh, no i i I feel good i feel good okay oh (laughs) the ivermectin the uh, horse base uh... i felt yeah i well a i felt a lot better after i saw that final score last night i felt very good (laughs) i'm sure i'm sure you did i'm sure you did dancing on the ceiling i'm sure you did as you got yourself after all of this wow look at that (laughs) there's where we are we are right (laughs) you know it was good to see a doctor on tv that i actually trust and of course there's dr dre so that was uh, the, the most credible doctor that's been on tv in two years yeah so it was good to see him. Um, so yeah, we're back be, to zero. Uh, COVID negative, but at least he's not financially negative anymore. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so you're not. You're not financially uh, any boombots. At least if you're. Uh, hey, yes. now, now, now let me ask you a question though. Um, on this, did you go double or nothing, or just uh, just straight up what you what you owed? 
I we went uh, so that is double or nothing. What do you mean? Uh, yeah, that you is either wasn't he down fifty three? Forty nine. Forty nine. Forty nine. Yeah. All right. Yep, so, so we went forty nine. We're all even. Yep. March Madness. That'll be our next gambling uh oh, okay. That's gonna be the next thing we do, March Madness. Yeah, we'll have to figure out how that that's tough with the conference spreads, championships but... are before that, though. You probably should do that too. We could consider that college yeah. basketball is starting to heat up now. Yes. Absolutely. It's all about so, college basketball now. Okay. What about Korean baseball? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Don't have many ideas, Chief. It doesn't start till April. Olympic ice hockey. Well, you know, on Friday, I was, um, well, I had a lot of emotions yesterday because I'm thinking to myself, my God, it looks like such a fool. I went on this show Friday and I said, listen to me right now. There's no way Cincinnati wins this game. And they're sitting there. They come out in the second half and, um, throw the bomb touchdown that the face mask doesn't get called, and yeah. he scores. And then he turns it over five seconds later. I'm thinking to myself, what a fool. I mean, I already know I am, but what a fool I'm going to look like more than usual here. But uh, Stafford and them, I watched McVay and the Patriots not even get in the end zone, and I didn't think there could be Rams. possibly a worse game plan. He almost outdid him. I, I would argue that he outdid himself with this game plan and this Super Bowl is as bad as that one. If not worse, if not worse, what they were doing on offense, I have zero idea. They couldn't run the ball, that's for sure. And he kept going to it as if they were gaining 15 yards a run. (laughs) I know. I couldn't believe what I was watching. Yep. Why did they take so long to start sending three defensive rushers from the other side of Joe Burrow. As soon as they started doing that, they caused all kinds of havoc. He waited till like the fourth quarter to do it. I, I have no idea what they were doing. They are so lucky to come away with that game. A couple of questionable calls um, down the stretch. The face yeah. mask obviously missed, so there was a couple on both sides. I mean, Stafford obviously and Cooper Cup got the job done when they had to, but they got no help from their head coach as far as I'm concerned. They probably did not deserve to win that game. I mean, it's hard to say that because they, they made the drive when they needed to. But my God, was he awful. He was awful. I could not believe what I was watching. And you're talking about the coach, right? The coach, Sean McVay, right. was awful. Yeah, 36 years old. Running and running. He's got negative yards on the day. He's running and run, running on third and 11. <laughs> they had 43 yards rushing for the whole day. 43. Terrible. Awful. Just kept going to it in the weirdest play calls. He was running in times where he was running on third down and long and leave him in like fourth and one. Once they, the fourth down with Cooper Cup, they had to go for it because they ran the ball the play before that. Fourth and two, they had it and then did this quick inside handoff to Cooper Cup on this end around. And he got the first down, of course. And you look like a genius because he got it. But man, would you look stupid if he didn't? Game would have been over. Yep. Game most likely at that point's over. But Aaron Donald came up big when he had to, and uh, Stafford and Cup came up big. But, man, they got no help from their head coach, as far as I'm concerned. Well, congratulations to Cincinnati. I'll tell you, Cincinnati played better than I thought they were. They did. At, at four, well, it should have been 14-3. It was 13-3 because the kid missed the extra point there. They muffed the snap. Yeah, to hold. I mean, at that point, I said this game's a wipeout. Just what I thought it was going to be. <laughs> I said to myself, this game's a wipeout. They can't even stop him. And then all of a sudden, whew, he gets hurt. Oh, Beckham got hurt. That yeah, that, that switched hurt. the whole game. Yeah, that really did. Yeah. So, 
All right, live from Studio 6B on a Monday. Glad you're in. Lots to talk about. Um, I'm going to spend most of my night. A lot of you probably didn't listen to this show. March of 2017. Me and Gio racked our brains and friend all day to try to find the old shows, but can't find them. But um, I'm going to take you back to then. Take you back to uh, what we were talking about then. And then fast forward to five years. Now it's the hip thing to talk about. And that, of course, is what John Durham's Friday, um, this thing he put out, John Durham's this explosive motion, as it was called in, the, in this American Spectator today. But you have to go back and remember what it was like then before we get to what's going on now. So I'll spend a lot of time on that. We'll do some news with Rick Delgado. We'll do sports with Rick Amorati, we'll get through. Um, I have some other things to talk about too. But this, um, what'd you what'd you think of the halftime show? That was good. I, I was anticipating a little bit more with that lineup, but I thought it was I thought it was good. You know, I didn't appreciate Eminem at the end with the kneeling, but you know, yeah. other than that, I thought I thought Dr. Dre was fabulous. I really did. I thought the, she um, good. The conversations I keep seeing on the media, and maybe maybe I'm just not digging into it enough, or something I'm missing about. The hiring of African-American coaches in the NFL, and they want to call it, the, you know, they keep referring to the Rooney rule. I, I, I'm saying, I tweeted that you should change it to the Biden rule because everybody's position, Michael W. Smith and all these other African-American people on ESPN, well, the rule seems to, for them, be, just be, well, if, if, he's, if the candidate is black, they should get the job. Doesn't matter who they're up against. Doesn't matter what the qualifications are. Doesn't matter what the owner thinks. Doesn't matter if the owner thinks the other guy might give him a better chance to win. It doesn't matter. If you have a white candidate and a black candidate, even if the owner thinks the white candidate gives him a better chance to win, that, that can't possibly in his mind be the reason. The only reason would be because it's a racist hire and he should hire the other guy. That's what the conversations sound like to me. So we'll talk a little bit about that as well. Live from Studio 6B on a Monday, just getting started. All right, 17 past the hour, live from Studio 6B on a Monday. Glad you're in just getting the week started. Lots to do tonight. We'll do some sports with Rick Amorati here in a second, but let's start. Let's do a little news. News is brought to you by our friends at 7cells.com. Of course, take control of your health and uh, prepare yourself. Put it in your cabinet so you have it. Get that ivermectin. Get whatever you think you need if you're going to come in contact with uh, COVID or whatever else they're going to unleash on us coming up. 7cells.com, 10% off with our code LFS6B. Here's Rick. What's going on? All right. Well, it turns out uh, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau has decided he's taking a different tact uh, against the Canadian uh, Freedom Convoy of Canadian truckers who are standing against the COVID-19 mandates. This is coming from just the news. Uh, Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau announced Monday that he will invoke the Emergencies Act in response to the ongoing uh, fight between him and the Canadian truckers after discussing it with his cabinet caucus and consultation with premiers from all over province. Yeah, basically, he's just kind of grabbing his straws at this point. Uh, Trudeau said he's going to be uh, invoking... He's a full police state at this point. That's what he wants. He wants full police state powers. Now you're going to conform because that's just what I tell you you're going to do. That's what most of these little tyrants want to do. At the end, when they start to 
feel it slipping away. Right. And that's usually the first sign that it is slipping away when they start to invoke these emergency powers. They start to get the military involved because they know it's slipping away from them. He's invoking the Emergency Act to supplement prevent, provincial, province, provincial and territorial capacity to address the blockades and as he calls them, occupations. The act, was, uh, which replaced the War Measures Act in the 80s, never been invoked, never been invoked by the Canadian government before this point. The scope of these measures, measures will be time-limited, geographically targeted, so he's only going to go after where the truckers are, sure. as well as reasonable and proportionate to the threats. Martial law for the truckers. Yeah, basically. Um, they're meant to address the emergency act and will give strength and support to law enforcement agencies uh, with the use of the military, probably across all levels of the country. The prime minister told reporters from his bunker that he shares with Joe Biden. The liberal uh, party leader said the goal of the act is to restore order in places where the public assemblies can constitute illegal and dangerous activities. Those would be blockades and occupations, as he says, in Ottawa. Last week, he blamed Americans for the COVID protest. That's nice, which was against the pandemic requirements in his country. So there you have it. Um, Canada is now spiraling into complete uh, police state, as Damon said. And uh, I saw his deputy um, prime minister, whatever her title is, say that they're going to be regulating now money, crowdfunding sources and... um Cryptocurrency, like to see how that goes under the uh, Terrorist fi- Financing Act. <laughs> so it's full blown police state in Canada under this little wussy yeah. Trudeau it, and his, and his uh, little tyrants underneath them. It's amazing when you don't support the government and its current narrative or that party, you become a terrorist. Pay attention because it's coming here. Uh, fast number growing, uh, fast number of Democrats, fast-growing number of Democrats, want Hillary Clinton investigated for her role in Russiagate. This stemming, of course, from the Durham investigation. An increasing number of Democrats believe Hillary Clinton should be investigated by special counsel John Durham in connection to her alleged involvement in manufacturing ties between presidential rival uh, from 2016 Donald Trump and Russia, according to a recent survey. This is interesting because this jumped up a lot. From just a few months ago, the survey by Technometrica Institute of Policy and Politics found 75% of respondents who follow the story think Clinton and her campaign advisors should be investigated for her role in the so-called Russiagate. Among them, check out this number, 66% are Democrats, a 20% rise from just a few months ago in October when the same question was asked. The aim of the mission, according to Durham, was to tarnish Trump's reputation by connecting him to the Russians, and Clinton's campaign repeatedly alleged that Trump and his campaign were in secret cahoots and close communication with Russian players trying to influence the outcome of the presidential race, though none of that was ever proven. So this story is starting to unwind. I know you've got a bunch of it we're yeah. going to be diving into in just a little bit, but I figured I'd just, uh, just uh, get my beak wet in it before yep. we uh, jumped into it. Because you guys weren't here, but Gio and Fran and I were, along with Vin Buta at the time, and we uh, March 3rd, 4th, 5th, 6th, something around there, first week of March, dug into this back in 2017, following the lead of Mark Levin, which I'll remind you a little bit of that as well. So we'll get into that here at the bottom of the hour. Let's do some sports. Please welcome back to the show Slick Rick Amorati. 
What's going on, pal? Good to like, have you back. Thank you. I feel like Dr. Dre, I'm back. Anyway, yes. uh, let's. I know we recapped a little bit the Super Bowl at the beginning of the show, but I just want to talk a little bit about Cups late TD, <laughs> lifts Rams over to Bengals, 23-20 to in the Super Bowl. AP report, Inglewood, California. Their defense was laying siege to the Bengals. The Rams needed something, anything from their slumbering offense. How about a precise 79-yard drive to the Lombardi Trophy? Cooper Cup on that one-yard touchdown toss with 125 left from Matthew Stafford, the deal just about. It took Aaron Donald's sack, as we mentioned earlier, uh, of Joe Burrow right at the end there to end that game and put the Rams in the championship and take it. Four-point spread. And what's interesting, Big D, had that extra point been made, the spread would have been four if everything fell a line. I know a lot. Of be, and it would have been a complete push for, for Vegas and for everybody. Yeah, right? well, there was a lot of four-and-a-halves, too, which... Um... There was some four and a half, so there there would have been some. Um, there but would have been some. There are there were some winners. They still would have been some winners, but right, not but as many because a lot had four. There was a lot of four. Some had three and a half, by the way. Yeah, well, speaking speaking of big losers, Mattress Mac vows to keep going after nine and a half million dollar Super Bowl loss. This is from Dave Purdom and Dave Behrman of ESPN. Jim Mattress Mac McGinville lost nine and a half million dollars betting on the Cincinnati Bengals to win the Super Bowl, but got up Monday morning, put on his big boy britches, and was back to work selling furniture. McGinville, a beloved icon in Houston, where he owns gallery furniture, has garnered national attention by placing big sports bets and. Attempting to mitigate his losses with promotional giveaways at his store. You know, we've promoted, we've talked about him over the years, um, what he's done. But he, he lost his bet when the Bengals lost the late lead and fell to the Rams 23 uh, 20 in Super Bowl 56. The Bengals covered the four point spread, but McKingville bet on the money line, meaning he needed a Bengals win at the same time. He ran a promotion that offered customers who spent at least 3000 on mattresses and furniture at his store their money back if the Bengals won. Uh, the loss. Uh, on top of uh, losses of uh, Alabama, uh, and uh, also he had a bet on the Patriots and Tennessee Titans in the playoffs, uh, resulted in 18 million in betting losses in 2022 alone. So, yeah. Mattress Mac, you talk about a tough sleep number. <laughs> Otherwise known as a, a good weekend at the Mattress Mac store. So, I don't, I don't think he's too worried about. <laughs> well, I don't think he's too worried about the money. Because uh, he he's the- got a great hedge going with the sales. Yeah. He makes more in sales than he does probably. And well, I don't know. I don't know his numbers, but that's a great hedge to do it. Buy this. If they, if they win, you get your money back. Yeah. He's funny. He's good stuff. And the Super Bowl commercials, uh, well, for a 30-second commercial, Big day, you could have ran something for about $7 million, according to Super Bowl executives at NBC. Next uh, year. Next year. The average cost is $6.5 million, so stop budgeting for that. That yeah. was up $5.6 million from a year ago. But uh, I think overall, the Super Bowl was good. Rick and I said we would have liked to have seen a little more firepower, a little yeah. more offense there, right, Rick? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, I think both teams were a little, uh, I don't know, a little short. When it comes to, uh, you know, the, the explosiveness we've come to expect from some of these games. Yeah, well, Rams were missing two of their tight ends, too. I mean, it was uh, – Rams, when they lost Beckham, that took a lot of the explosiveness out of the game. I'm with you, D. They looked like they were on a fast track for a blowout, the way they were moving the ball, because they couldn't double Cooper Cup because they had to pay attention to Beckham. So, And then all of a sudden, he – I don't know what he was doing. Yeah. He just – all of a sudden, he thought he had Barry Sanders in the backfield. He was just going to run the ball every play. <laughs> it's going nowhere. Robert Losing Woods. yards every play. Yeah, Woods was doing nothing, nothing. All right. The Cincinnati defense played better than most people thought. That that was really one of the stories of the game as well. Yeah, the secondary played well too, very well. 
And the offensive line did a good job for most of the game until the fourth quarter. Then it, they just kind of ran out of steam because he, yeah. that poor kid was getting demolished. I really felt bad when he when he went down and he screamed yeah. about his knee. I was like, uh-oh. Yep. All right, live from Studio 6B on a Monday, we'll dig into Durham. Go back first before we go forward. When we get back right after this. Thirty minutes past the hour, live from Studio Six B. <laughs> What's your update? Do you want to get to Rick? Yeah, we were talking about uh, Justin Trudeau invoking the Emergency Powers Act. Yeah. Uh, turns out, according to the Canadian Civil Liberties Association, and they might be trying to go to court with this. The federal government, they're reporting, has not met the threshold necessary to invoke the Emergencies Act. This law creates a high and clear standard for good reason. The act allows government to bypass ordinary democratic processes. The standard has not been met, according to them. The Emergency Act can only be invoked when a situation seriously threatens the ability of the government of Canada to preserve its sovereignty, security, and territory integrity of Canada, and when the situation cannot be effectively dealt with under any other law in Canada. The government regularly deals with difficult situations, and does so using powers granted to them by the democratically elected representatives. Emergency legislation should not be normalized. It threatens our democracy and our civil liberties. So we'll see what happens with this. It looks like he's going to be getting some pushback. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) that's fine. I mean, but he didn't, I mean, these guys just think they can get away with it. They don't care about any of that. It's like, it's like Biden with the, um, it's like Biden with the OSHA mandate. He, they knew it was unconstitutional. They said it was unconstitutional, but we didn't. We don't care. We're just going to go ahead. Yeah, these guys are all the same. They think they can get away with it. Biden would do the same thing. Or, or they'll. They know they can do it up until the court tells them they can't, and then they'll have to stop. Then, but by then, they try and normalize it. Yeah. So, all right, we'll get into that. We'll get into what's going on at the Ukraine border because there's some weird stuff going on. The, the Ukrainian President Zelensky or Zelensky, what's his name? Zelensky. Zelensky comes out today and says, "Oh yeah, by the way, they're gonna uh, they're gonna attack us Wednesday." It's like I was gonna say, like you know, before lunch, after lunch, you give us like a time. <laughs> like what? Is, what is this? Now he's walking that back, and he says he missed it was misunderstood. So I don't know. We'll we'll get into all that, but let's get into what broke really on Friday. We didn't really cover it too much on Friday's show. And that, of course, is John Durham. And we have had John Solomon on this show. We've talked about John Durham. We have been uh, aggravated and disgusted with John Durham, how long it's taken, if anything was ever going to come. And um, for his part, John Solomon has continued to tell us, my sources tell me this is an active investigation. My sources tell me this is he's still working. He's taking his time. He's being thorough. There's a lot to go through. Yada, yada, yada. And... Um, Listen, there's no reason to, never not to believe John Solomon, at least in my eyes. Um, but, you know, we just didn't talk about it much because there wasn't much there. You know, we saw the Sussman indictment. So we've seen a couple things, a couple small things. At least they seemed small at the time. The Sussman thing started to raise some other flags on, okay, wait a minute. Now this could be leading to other things. Right. And then on Friday, 
we had really what what has to be considered a bombshell rep, um, motion uh, by John Durham, and which we'll get to. And it has to do with obviously the 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 extent of the spying that went on. Spying, you say? Oh yes, I do say spying, and we said it back in 2017. So let me take you back to 2017 march of 2017 let me actually take you back to start g if you put up that picture and pick one to january 20th that would be inauguration day of president trump and um as he was into off the day he was sworn into office the new york times front page had this report Wiretapped data used an inquiry of Trump aides. That was the original New York Times cover on January 20th of 2017, which was then later changed. But this is the original picture of the original issue of the New York Times that morning. You can see January 20th, 2017, Trump arrived set to assume power. The day that President Trump became the 45th president of the United States. That was the New York Times reporting. Wiretapped data. So Trump went on to talk about my phones being wiretapped. He was called a conspiracy theorist. He was, they said he was, this was the media's own damn reporting about it at the time. And he has continued to say this, continued to stick with this story throughout the campaign. And now we know, not even through the campaign, but obviously through his presidency. But let me, again, so that's January. Put up the screen, G. This is also January. FBI, five other agencies probe possible covert Kremlin aid to Trump, McClatchy. This was in January 24th of 2017. The FBI and five other law enforcement and intelligence agencies have collaborated for months into an investigation into Russian attempts to influence the November election, including whether money from the Kremlin, the agencies involved, FBI, CIA, National Security Agency, the Justice Department, Treasury Department's Financial Crimes Enforcement Network, and representatives of the Director of National Intelligence. So all these agencies looking into Trump, the New York Times running up a piece, wiretapped communications, also the New York Times, intercepted Russian communications. What does that mean? Intercepted Russian communications, part of inquiry into Trump associates. January 19th, 2017, the day before the wiretapped New York Times headline. All of this reporting by the media (laughs) out there at the time. NSA, remember this? We talked about this, those of you who watched this show back in 2017. NSA all of a sudden gets more latitude to share intercepted communications. This is Obama on his way out the door. Yes, in its final days. We were so, and, and all credit on this goes to Mark Levin. He was the first one to put all of this together. Back in March of 2017, said, wait a second here. What is all this reporting that I'm saying in the media? Of course, he was called the conspiracy theorist. He was called every name in the book that he was making up wild conspiracies. 
Meanwhile, all he was doing was reading the headlines in the New York Times, in McClatchy, in uh, Heat, uh, um, Heat Street, all these places that were, were talking about it at the time. In its final days, the Obama administration has expanded the power of the National Security Agency to share globally intercepted personal communications with the government's 16 other intelligence agencies. Well, why would, why would they do that on the way out the door? We were asking then, and we ask now. Well, now we know why. We know why. Former DNI James Clapper, I can deny wiretap of Trump Tower. New York Times parses Trump's tweets to call Obama spying a conspiracy theory. Once again, March 6th, 2017. Levin first brought this out into the public. Um, I believe the the morning before this. That's good, G. In um, on Fox and Friends. And if you don't remember exactly some of what he said, let me remind you. This is not about President Trump's tweeting. This is about the Obama administration's spying. And the question isn't whether it's spied. We know they went to the FISA court twice. The question is, who did they spy on? The extent of the spying. That is, the Trump campaign, the Trump transition, Trump surrogates. And I want to walk you through this, the American people. Exhibit one. Exhibit one. This is all public. Head Street. Two separate sources with links to the counterintelligence community have confirmed that the FBI sought and was granted a Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act court. This is spying. Uh, in October, giving counterintelligence permission to examine the activity of, quote, U.S. persons in Donald Trump's campaign with ties to Russia. Let me go on. This isn't me. They say the first FISA request, sources say, name Trump, was denied back in June, denied by the court. Mm -hmm. But the second was drawn more narrowly and was granted in October after evidence was presented of a server possibly related to the Trump campaign and its alleged links to two banks. Now, sources suggest that a FISA warrant was granted to look at the full content of emails and other related documents that may concern U.S. persons. Now, I know people are hung up with Trump's word wiretapping, well, how'd they get access to this server information? Does it really matter if it was wiretapping? Now, if you remember, and I've put this tweet back up and I've put the headline back up, one of the main people that seems to be stuck right into the middle of this is none other than Jake Sullivan, who was working with the Hillary Clinton campaign at the time. I believe he was one of her main spokesmen. And at the time, Jake Sullivan put out a tweet and a story about the fact that there's all of a sudden, magically, there was this huge communication. Seems that we have found this back channel between Alpha Bank and Trump. You remember the tweet I put up? And she knew at the time it was false. And it was the old, we're going to put it out there. Mm-hmm. Some news people are going to pick it up. And then we're going to point to it as fact. And say, oh, look at here. And that's exactly what they did. And Jake Sullivan, who now is right in the middle of this Ukraine story, is knee-deep in this spying. Knee-deep. As is Hillary Clinton, who should be in an orange jumpsuit for many reasons. This, probably not even at the top of the list. And many others. 
And of course, the question will continue to be, how high did it go in the Obama administration? Uh, right to the Oval Office, if you ask me. Because as many have, many have argued, there's no way you're going to a FISA court and doing all of this, and the President of the United States doesn't know about it. Almost impossible to imagine that it's not in his presidential daily briefings. And we asked for it then. We've, we've talked about it for five years. When the Republicans had, had control of Congress, why the presidential daily briefings weren't subpoenaed or whatever they would have had to do to at least see them, even in a classified setting, is beyond me. Because they certainly, in 2016, maybe even back to 2015, throughout 2016, the campaign leading into 17, January 20th, when the New York Times ran that headline, you would figure he would have had to have known about it. It would have had to be in his daily briefings, his classified daily briefings, what the Hillary Clinton campaign was doing it. As a matter of fact, we, should, we really should want to know if he signed off on it. That is one of the huge questions to come out of this. I don't know if Durham will get, be able to get, to get to that. I don't know if he has enough uh, subpoena power or whatever to get to that high in this. But we should really be interested to know if Barack Obama signed off on this. Well, from from what I heard, and I heard Dan Bongino talking about this earlier today, um, this was discussed between, I, ble- I believe it was uh, James Clapper. Was it Clapper? No, Brent, Brennan and Obama. They were briefed on this in July of 2016. So this could go... You know, like you just said, it probably and it probably does go right up to the top because well, uh, yeah, I mean, we knew for, we know for a fact he knew at least what we're rediscussing today because it was in the newspapers, it was in the media, right? And Which is good, and, and that's part of the wrap up smear. You know, you you put it out there, whether it's fake or whatever, you put it out there for somebody to grab it, then it starts circulating throughout the media, and boom, then you refer to it and go, look, everybody's writing about it. I'll remind you when we get back of how the media covered this story back in March of 2017. from Studio 6B on a Monday night. Glad you're in. Lots to do. We'll continue on We'll continue on this Durham thing uh, when we get back top of the hour to do a little more on this. But let's do some more news, see what else is going on in the world, and hear what that is, Rick Delgado. News, of course, is brought to you by our friends at 7Cells. Seven 7Cells.com. Seven Use our code LFS6B. Uh, you want that early treatment pack, put it in your cabinet so you have it. When you need it, you have it. Hopefully you never have to use it. Uh, 7cells.com, LFS6B, a checkout, 10% off. What's going on, Rick? All right, and you can follow me on Getter and geet me at Ugly American Radio or Ugly American Rick. You'll find me there. Uh, Louisville mayoral candidate candidate is uh, targeted in shooting. Craig Greenberg, a Democratic mayoral candidate for Louisville, Kentucky, said he was shaken 
but safe after an alleged gunman came into his campaign headquarters Monday morning and shot at him. Yeah, Greenberg said he was with four colleagues at his campaign office when a man appeared in the doorway. When we greeted him, he said he pulled out a gun, aimed it directly at me, and began shooting, Greenberg said, several hours uh, later at a news conference. One staffer managed to close the door, and staffers then barricaded it before the suspects fled, he told reporters. Despite one bullet coming so close that it grazed my sweater and my shirt, no one was physically harmed, which is... uh, Surprising when 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 you hear you know describe the guy just standing in the doorway and start shooting. Um, Shields said uh, uh, Louisville Metro Police Chief Shields says the suspect is in custody and that they responded around 10:15 to reports of an active aggressor and a suspect was apprehended shortly after the incident. Police are still investigating the motive, but AP said the suspect appears to have acted alone. Governor Andy Bashar uh, decried the shooting in a statement on Twitter and said he and his wife Brittany are praying for Greenberg. I was appalled to hear of the attempt on Craig Greenberg's life. I've spoken with Craig and I'm grateful he is physically unharmed. Violence is never the answer and, and uh, we are holding him close in prayer. So strange, strange uh, you know, story when, when you think about it. The guy just, he's, he's just a candidate. It's not like he's the mayor or anything. He's just running and, uh, you know, they're coming out after, after it, it's getting a little crazy out there. But that's what happens when you elevate the criminal and, uh, you know, let them just uh, keep running around going, going crazy. Well, I mean, we have no idea. I mean, we have no idea if there's some connection with these two guys. I mean, I know right now. I mean, let's wait and see what the story is. I mean, oh. it seems, seems awfully strange. The yeah. guy would just decide all of a sudden just to pick... But it's odd that somebody would think that this is okay. I can go ahead and do this. You know what I mean? Just that that whole mentality of a criminal. I don't know. I don't get it. Uh, U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken announced Monday that the U.S. Embassy in Kiev is going to relocate to western Ukraine due to dramatic acceleration and buildup of Russian forces. Uh, These prudent precautions in no way undermine our support or our commitment to Ukraine. We're just getting the hell out of there, he said. Uh, Last week, the State Department told U.S. citizens in Ukraine to depart now via commercial or private means. In other words, the U.S. government is not going to help them evacuate any U.S. citizens in the event of a Russian military action anywhere in Ukraine. Great to know. Families of U.S. diplomats were ordered to evacuate Ukraine late last month, and other employees were given authorization to voluntarily leave. Blinken said the Biden administration is continuing intensive diplomatic efforts to de-escalate the crisis, but there's a lot of money on the line. U.S. President uh, Joe Biden spoke with both uh, Ukrainian President Zelensky and Russian leader uh, Putin over the weekend, as about 100,000 Russian troops are stationed on the border with Ukraine. And it's always, it always seems whenever this story comes up about anything happening with Russia, it's a nice round number. It's always 100,000 troops. Anytime there's a report last year, a couple of years ago, it's always 100,000 troops. Anyhow. Well, it's um, video now of supposedly them moving um, first aid and ambulances, all this over to, to the front lines. You've got the president saying that they're coming in on when. I mean, just, it's just very strange. <laughs> and it's so weird that the ABC News has all this great coverage of Russian troops moving around. 
But, all right. Very that, strange. That's all I got for news for right now. All right, let's do some sports. And here with that is Rick Amorati. What's going on, Slick Rick? Back to the rodeo, Big D. Dixie National Rodeo in the Mississippi Coliseum in Jackson, Mississippi. Bareback riding leader. And, in fact, this is going on through the 19th. It started on Friday evening. And uh, first bareback riding leader, Jacob Rain, 84 and a half points on rocket-powered roller skates. Love that name. <laughs> Steel wrestling. I could see you wearing those. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Jason. <laughs> Jason Thomas, 4.1 seconds. Team roping, Justin Yost, 5.2 seconds. Saddle Bronc riding leaders, Colby Wanchuk, 87 points on Beaver Trail. And tie-down roping, Lane Livingston, 7.7 seconds. Battle racing leaders, great score, Jimmy Smith, 13.95. That's an excellent score. And bull riding, Josh Frost, 87 points on Harper and Morgan Rodeos, company number 653. Total payoff on that rodeo 206,132 big ones and here's an NFL football player you really can't blame for kneeling this is a story from last night a Rams player celebrated winning the Super Bowl by proposing to his girlfriend on the field Yahoo Sports Meredith Gash Rams safety Taylor Rapp celebrated the victory by proposing to his girlfriend right on the field Taylor Rapp secured two wins and two rings and a span of minutes the third year safety helped the Los Angeles Rams to victory over the Cleveland uh, Cincinnati Bengals in uh, Cleveland at Super Bowl 56 Sunday night. Then after contributing seven tackles in the 23-20 win, Rap got down on one knee and proposed to his girlfriend, or should we say fiance, and she said yes. The 24-year-old and his soon-to-be wife, Danny Johnson, are high school sweethearts from Washington State. Johnson was part of Rap's journey for, to superstardom at the University of Washington and later in the pros. There's little doubt he'd offer his longtime partner credit for the aiding in the process of getting into, into the Super Bowl, and now she's getting a ring of her own. I thought that was a great story. Some great pictures of that last night and caught that, which was really cool. I did so, see that. Yep. I also see. saw a guy running um, the story of the guy's <laughs> wife went into labor. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah, that was Guys, incredible. on the field celebrating, half hour later, he's running out of all disheveled, barely dressed, <laughs> running out of the stadium. And 20 minutes later, he's got pictures of him in the hospital holding this brand new baby. Uh, I think it was a boy. Yeah, it's incredible, right? What a what a night. What a monumentous. <laughs> but uh, I thought that was really just a great, great way. You know, you see a guy kneeling on a field, you figure, oh, here we go again. Another clown. But no, it was uh, it was for a good cause, which was great. Um, and uh, that's a wrap in sports, Big D, for this segment. I'll have more rodeo. And also, we'll talk about that UFC fight over the weekend. All right. Very good, Rick. Thanks. Uh, so, gee, throw this up. I was talking about this before, and I just found it. So... This is uh, October 31st, 2016. Uh, the devil puts out this tweet. Computer, si- <laughs> Computer scientists have apparently <laughs> uncovered a court a covert server linking the Trump organization to a Russian-based bank. And, of course, she's linking to a statement from, oh, guess who? Jake Sullivan. A new report exposing Trump's secret line of communications to Russia. In response to a new report from Slate showing that the Trump organization had, has a secret server registered to Trump Tower that has been covertly communicating with Russia, Hillary for America senior policy advisor Jake Sullivan released the following statement Monday. This could be the most direct link yet (laughs) 
<laughs> Between Donald Trump and Moscow, computer scientists have, apparent, have apparently uncovered a covert server linking the Trump organization to a Russian-based bank. Quote, this secret hotline may be the key to unlocking the mystery of Trump's ties to Russia. How sick are these people? How devious and sick is this woman? She belongs in an orange jumpsuit with a number on the back like Jean Valjean and Les Mis. That's what she belongs. She knew this was bogus. He knew this was bogus. And this was all just part of the plan. Extensive plan. Well, if they could just name those computer scientists, I'm sure they could clear this all up there, Damon. It certainly seems the Trump organization felt it had something to hide, given that it apparently took steps to conceal the link when it was discovered by journalists. (laughs) All right, more about this when we get back live from Studio 6B on a Monday night. from Studio 6B on a Monday. Man, that was a quick first hour. Hour two coming up. Rick Delgado's in the house doing some news. Rick Amorati's back. Feeling good. COVID negative. Dr. Vinny Vumbats worth his weight and gold. <laughs> you know it, brother. Worth his weight and Robitussin. Yeah, Robitussin Rick is here. Joe, uh, Gio Chris and Fred holding it down as always. So, Hey, what'd you think of the surprise uh, appearance by uh, 50 Cent last night at the halftime show? It looks like a buck and a half. <laughs> looks like inflation's hit 50. <laughs> yeah. Either that or he got stung by a colony of bees right before he took the stage. I don't know what. <laughs> they hung Man. him upside down too long and it all just broke <laughs> up his head. Man, 50. I love that song, but. Man, oh, my man. Lord. Salad bars right over there at the left, I think. <laughs> Not that I should talk, but golly. 50. Woo. That's still a good song. Yeah, of course. It's funny. I, although you see a lot of my kids on social media today, I noticed that they were um, there was a lot of reaction videos of the parents who are kind of grew up with that music around my age. You know, forties. Oh, all dancing and stuff. <laughs> oh, yeah. And the kids are going. The kids oh, are going. No. What the, hell's going on? the kids are just looking at them horrified yeah. as they start grinding right. yeah, each other. It's like all what the parents is that? jumping out of their seat when they hear uh, "You can find me in the club." <laughs> Take it down, Grandma. Yeah. Uh, Fifty Cent. And the, oh, your mom is jumping off the couch. Going, Woo! Oh man, some of those are pretty funny. Oh. Man. <laughs> I mean, from a pure entertainment, just pure entertainment, try not to let politics seep into everything. <laughs> I, I don't know. I thought the halftime was pretty enjoyable. I ended just because I grew watching. up on those songs, and, uh, you know, I kind of had the same reaction. When you hear them, you're like, oh, yeah, it's uh, this, man, it's this, 
This this beat <laughs> is this, this song that old? Stands, well, the, stands the test of time. It was good they were covering housing, Big D. Though they had all the different houses <laughs> yeah, there. You know? yeah. yeah, no inflation signs, but uh, I don't know. I thought it was kind of enjoyable. It was yeah, fun. I ended up watching. Uh, I watched the Puppy Bowl. I mean, people were just hating on it. I just felt like they were letting their politics drive there. I mean, just can we have something that politics is not attached to for five minutes? I know. You know. I don't know. Well, it's tough when the artists themselves attach themselves yeah, to politics, and you know, you got you got Snoop who talks about, "Hey, let's shoot some police." Ah, it's kind of kind of puts a downer on things. Yeah, that's yeah, a good point. Yep. It's a good point. That's why I try just the music, just try to. But I guess some people can't do that. Well, that's, that's a good point. So, and, and Rick, you you said you really liked when uh, Dr. Dre was playing the piano, right? Yeah, I don't think he was playing. Uh, you'd be the expert, D. You'd know. His hand positioning was a little too. He <laughs> <laughs> playing chopsticks. Like, I don't think Mary J. Blige was singing it in, <laughs> yeah. in a couple of the songs. Some like being of them, in a department she, store when you the piano clearly plays. tell when she was and when she wasn't. Most yeah. of it seemed like tracks and stuff, but yeah. I was surprised at how much there actually was live. Yeah, there was enough of it that was live. Uh, we know Snoop was live because they didn't censor certain words he said. <laughs> there's, Snoop! Oh. <laughs> there's video from someone in the stadium or from one of the other cameras on the production team. That Snoop does his opening number, and then he goes down, and he's hiding behind the house there on the steps. He's smoking. <laughs> 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 While he's is, in between tracks. Is any oh single person surprised at that story? No. It, it would be more shocking if he didn't. Really. I guess, yeah. So. yeah. And what about uh, the, uh, the girl that sung the Star Spangled Banner? Mickey wow. Guyton. Yeah. yeah. And wow. as I predicted, at least because I had heard from, not inside sources, but some people who I guess had maybe heard some rehearsals, that it was going to be over a hundred, a uh, hundred seconds, which I think is what it was set at, uh, over a hundred seconds, and it was. I think it went about a hundred and eighteen. So if you bet the over on the national anthem, you were a winner. <laughs> See, you should have bet that, Rick. A lot, well, places, probably a lot had of places that. didn't offer it. <laughs> yeah, New York didn't offer it. Some states don't offer those things, like the coin toss. Even some some states don't offer it because they think there's too much hanky panky that could be involved with it. Did you put money on how much popcorn they were going to sell too? No. Like the Gatorade, did the coach Gatorade, you can bet that. What Gatorade color he's going to get, but a lot of states won't offer because somebody at the stadium calls you and goes, hey, it's blue. We just loaded the can. It was blue too. It You're right. Blue, yeah. It was yeah. blue. Yeah, but you can't get that some places. So. Did Jerry Rice do blue as well? I don't know. I don't remember. What? No, I'm Rice? just referring to the commercial. Okay. I, th- I thought the commercials, you know what commercial was good? I thought the uh, the Sopranos one. Oh, that was the that best. Was cool. The Chevy, that was the best one. Yeah, I thought one. that was pretty good. That was awesome. Did you hear about the uh, Coinbase thing? I did. Coinbase <laughs> ran that commercial, which everybody says was so was so genius. Pong. Um, which, I don't know, I guess I, I guess you could look at it and say, wow, so minimalistic. Well, it was, they got so much traffic, they crashed. 20 million hits, they crashed. Yeah. It was also probably the cheapest commercial for them to produce. Yeah. yeah. It was like one stale image. Yeah. Yeah, it was just a moving uh, thing, Change right? Colors. Bouncing around, changing Not colors. Still, but yeah, just and a, if you scanned it with your phone, you got $15. QVR code. Yeah. 20 million hits in the, in the first minute after the commercial aired, the, the site crashed. Wow. Now, as a, as a user of Coinbase, I will tell you that if Bitcoin goes from 42000 to 43000 it also crashes. <laughs> <laughs> so this is nothing new to Coinbase users, by the way, which is really stunning. They go public, they're worth $4 gazillion, and they can't get their site to stay up. 
when they get busy or when the market gets busy. It's people can't figure it out, but it happens all the time. So Kamala Harris might be able to help him with that. By the way, my dad um, or somebody just, I think it was my dad just texted me. Oh, it's my mom. She said, uh, the halftime show, by the way, has Damon, has nothing to do with politics. It has to do with that music sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I like your mom. Okay. Oh, yeah, she's great. So, she's right. S- sorry they didn't have any Gordon Lightfoot on hands or whatever. <laughs> you know? Or Dionne Warwick. <laughs> yeah, mom. <laughs> mom. Easy on my music that I grew up with. Oh, I got to say, uh, speaking of moms, happy Valentine's Day to my mom and to my, uh, my girl, Kate. Happy Valentine's to all Valentine's out yes. there, whoever your Valentine is. Happy Valentine's Day. I sent my wife flowers to her work today. Oh, that's nice. And you know why I did? Because when we first met, do I need to get into this? Does anyone care about this story? No. No, but do we it anyway. Do it. Go ahead. Come on. When stop. we first met, and I, I knew that uh, I thought she was pretty, uh, pretty happening. Pretty groovy chick. We were working, you know, in the same building. I was a music teacher. Oh. She was a special ed teacher. Oh. And. Um, Scandalous. Mm-hmm. She. No, I don't remember the story. What the hell she was doing. I sent her flowers. I see it means a lot. In the you. building. <laughs> 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 I sent her flowers for something. I think she, went, she was taking her, I don't remember, whatever. I sent her flowers. So I sent her flowers this morning again. And I said. Um, For the second time. I ever. said something nice in the card this morning saying, I, you know. As opposed to last time. Well, I said something. Well, the last time I was, you know, I yeah. was in chase mode. Yeah. He was saying, are oh. you still seeing that other jerk? <laughs> <laughs> that was hey, then, yeah. Why don't she you told drop, me that story. Why don't you she drop told me that, that story. science teacher loser and come over here. Yeah. I think I said this morning, I said, um, I said the first time I did this, I knew I would love you, but I love you more now than I did that day. Oh. oh. So she, um, she got him today. And she said, who's this? <laughs> she came home and said, "Hey, I got some real weird flowers." To- <laughs> no, I don't know who they're from, but whatever. yeah. So happy Valentine's yeah, Day to my wife, lady. who she's is a beautiful you, lady. You can't, um, you just can't do any better than her. I don't know. You just can't. This woman. So, all right. Uh, what the hell are we doing right now? We're doing Besides Durham. Reliving this is your life, Damon. You know. Yeah. Uh, we're doing Durham stuff. Yes. Yeah. So, um, so just I want to just do a little more because it really does set the table. Just a little more of back then, Levin on Fox and Friends. And by the way, this is, is amusing because you know who's sitting on the couch for this interview is our own now Ed Henry. <laughs> so uh, he was, had a front row seat to this. Uh, so a little more from March 3rd, uh, March 5th, 2017. Electronic surveillance or whatever it was. Exhibit two, The Guardian, a well-known right-wing British paper. Here it is. Uh, Quote, the Guardian has learned the FBI applied for a warrant from the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court over the summer in order to monitor four members of the Trump team suspected of irregular contacts with Russian officials. Keep in mind, this is during a presidential election. The sitting president, the incumbent party, is now investigating the presidential candidate of the Republican Party and his campaign to some extent. The FISA court turned down the application asking FBI counterintelligence investigators to narrow its focus. According to one report, the FBI was finally granted a warrant in October. 
Exhibit three, McClatchy, another well-known right-wing newspaper. Here they have the agencies. Headline, FBI, five other agencies. Five other Obama administration agencies probe possible covert Kremlin aid to Trump. The FBI and five other law enforcement intelligence agencies have collaborated for months in an investigation into Russian attempts to influence the November election, including whether money from Kremlin uh, covertly aided presidential-elect Donald Trump. Two people familiar with the matter said the agencies involved in the inquiry are the FBI, the CIA, the NSA, the Justice Department, the Treasury Department's Financial Crimes Enforcement Network, and representatives of the director of the National Intelligence. Are you telling me Barack Obama didn't know what was Mark, going on in six go, agencies? As you hold go on, on, hold on. on. <laughs> okay, so he, so Levin just continues to go on and go on to build the case, goes through all the different articles. Now, pull up cut 16, G, before we actually move forward to Durham, what he said on Friday. Here is how the mainstream media at the time characterized what Levin had done that night and then went on Fox and Friends. Um, roll that. We begin tonight with that breaking news. President Trump's striking allegations against former President Barack Obama. President Trump in a Twitter tirade accusing the former president of spying on him at Trump Tower by wiretapping phones, but offering no evidence or even what prompted those allegations. A spokesman for President Obama firing back saying... Now, just hold the it for a second. President as he says, provided no evidence. Well, uh, as Levin just did and what I just recapped before we played some of that, I just gave you six incidences of it in the media. So as these guys talk about, well, he provided no evidence. Well, did you look at the New York Times on the 20th? On the headline? Put that picture up again, G. Do you have that? Did you look at the New York Times? Did you look at McClatchy? What, what evidence? What evidence? You provided the evidence. The media provided the evidence. It's right there. <laughs> you just had to put it together, which Levin did. But the media, see, here's the issue. The media was in on this as much as anybody else. That's why they didn't want to talk about it then. They tried to shoot it down, like in this report, which we'll get back to here in a second. But they're complicit in it, the media. It's like the guy at Yahoo who put out that article purposely knowing it was wrong so people could point to it. What's his name there? We've been over this a couple times. I never remember his name. Um... Multiple times. The Jake Sullivan thing I just sent you. I just showed you. Clinton knew that was false. They put it out purposely so they could point to it and go, hey, look at this. So the media is, is complicit in all of this because all you had to do is look at their own reporting. Their own reporting. It's not, not somebody, not, not Levin's opinion, not President Trump's made-up stories. It's their reporting that we pointed to. All right, we'll replay that clip from the beginning on the media reaction so you can see the whole thing. And then we'll get into John Durham's explosive motion from Friday. All right, 17 past the hour live from Studio 6B. So, through sports here in a second. I really want to come back around. Maybe we need to have a guest on the show. 
I was just stunned by this segment that they did in the lead-up to the NFL, uh, to the big game on uh, NBC with Mike Tirico, who, nothing not to like about Mike Tirico. Um, and then this Michael Smith, who's been on numerous shows on ESPN, and then some guy I didn't know, another African-American I didn't know, with Michael Smith, who I do know, and Tirico, obviously everybody knows. Yeah. This segment they did on the, on the hiring issue with the NFL. And I'm watching it, and I'm thinking to myself, what am I not getting about this? What am I not getting about the NFL has a as a as a just this has this racist hiring issue according to them in that owners are no longer I'm paraphrasing my own basically what I heard owners now have no option according to them basically but to hire the African American candidate over any white candidate because if they don't it's all racism and there's no other choice this is what i'm this is basically what the segment is saying they're going through all of this stuff and the candidates and the candidates and i'm thinking to myself if you're the owner if you're jerry jones you you come you see brian flores you see Lovey Smith, you see Nick Saban, and you see, um, I don't know, whatever. Sean Payton. Sean Payton. Yeah, Thank you. Sean Payton's a good Yeah, you one. got four kids. So you're telling me the owner has to hire Lovey Smith or Brian Flores, even if he thinks Sean Payton has a better chance to get them and win a Super Bowl, just because, just because? I don't, I don't understand it. It's like Biden on the Supreme Court. The only reason we're putting her up is because of her skin color. Doesn't matter if she's the most qualified. Doesn't matter what her case history shows. Doesn't matter if she's been the most loyal to the Constitution. It doesn't matter if she's a contextualist. It doesn't matter if we think she's... None of it matters. Same thing with this. The way they, the way they have this discussion is that, that he can only hire, and if he doesn't, he's racist and feeding into the racist hiring structure of the NFL. And man, I tell you, I just don't get it. I, I just don't get it. Now, maybe I'm breaking it down and making it way too simplistic, but I don't see how else you can get around the fact that if the owner hires the best person that he thinks for the money he's going to spend gives them the best chance to win what is it uh, well what does it matter what skin color they are and this is also coming on the heels of this big Brian Flores lawsuit against the Miami Dolphins where you know he's obviously accusing them of being racist and uh, you know there's a, there's a lot here and i think the NFL they always do this they 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 panda and they do damage control and i think that's what this is a lot of this is about is that I, and and i the other side sees this as an opportunity and that's why they're pushing the pushing the uh, so agenda. can mike tomlin never be fired in pittsburgh that would be my next well question. it seems that way he's been there for 20 years okay but you know what i'm saying mm. right a lot of people in pittsburgh would say they've underachieved now since their super bowl for a long time you could blame it on the quarterback maybe you could blame it on drafting you could blame it on a lot of things but he's the head coach yeah. and the buck's supposed to stop with the head coach and as the owner 
and they want to refer to the Rooney rule when they hi about hiring. They need to get more Rooney's. diversity. All of this to keep hearing about all this. And by the way, I'm I'm all for it. If that's the best guy, but but that's the part that's being left out. It seems to me. So Mike Tomlin can never be fired. According to the current NFL system, I guess not. But, I mean, how can Brian Flores claim that Miami was racist when they hired him? They gave him a job. They kept him on. Yeah, he, he, he righted the ship that, the, this past season, but maybe they just said, you know what? It's just well, it's I think taking it's, too long to get here. I think I see a better opportunity with somebody else coming in and a fresh start. I don't start. think that's his claim. His claim on Miami that's is just not. What, no, but no. That's just what Rick said. His claim now is, I believe, Denver who interviewed him and didn't hire him is, the, is who he's claiming was for racism. Was he wasn't hired. Miami, he's claiming, was telling him, We're gonna get, we'll give you $100,000 each game you lose. That's also part of his lawsuit. Yeah, they were trying and that to, was a few years prior. They were trying to he's force saying they have out. evidence that, that he says he has evidence. Who knows? But just to get back to, I just don't, under, I just don't understand it. I, I just don't understand it. Well, Merrick Coach doesn't can't mean hire anything. the best guy anymore. Merit doesn't mean anything. It has to be skin color. So it's more of an insult, really. You could be the worst candidate for the job, um, you know, and, and they'll just pull you because they're like, oh, okay, you, you fulfilled it. You're the, check, you're the check mark in the box. Great, go. Cut that, nine, G. It's that just should like, be insulting. It's just like this. Watch this clip about the halftime show. Roll it. I thought it was an exciting game, but the whole thing felt to me like an extended version of, um, you know, uh, we don't talk about Bruno, where, you know, there's one thing people are really talking about, but no one mentions him by name because all of the tributes had to do with, you know, trailblazers and people who were fighting against the power, like, uh, like, uh, like Mary Mary singing Lift Every Voice and Sing, and having black country star Mickey Guyton singing the national anthem, and having Billie Jean King do the coin flip. And yet nobody actually mentioned the guy that really helped inspire protests in the, at the NFL level, and that was Colin Kaepernick. So I guess Colin Kaepernick was our Bruno last night. Laura? Uh -huh. Yeah, you know, it was disappointing that Eminem was the only one who took a knee because it showed that none of the others were willing to take um, a position on the unspoken, as as uh, CJ pointed out. But I also think it's really important to acknowledge um, in the context of talking about Eminem, what a huge night this was for hip hop. I mean, you cannot overlook the fact that this was the first time you had an all hip hop lineup performing at the Super Bowl. You have these icons of West Coast rap performing in LA, and it was one of the best performances ever. But while it's important to recognize and acknowledge that it was a good night for hip hop, it's also important to recognize that it was a bad day for the movement because the NFL was able to successfully use black performers to distract black audiences from the issues that are important to them without making any meaningful change whatsoever. It's a little bit like putting a Band-Aid on a tumor. All the problems that the NFL has been accused of are still there. They are still active. They know that they have a PR problem. The reason we know they have a PR problem is because they did put all of this diversity in front of the camera. Now, that's a good thing. All of these black performers deserve those opportunities and should be showcased, but that is not enough. What Brian Flores is fighting for, what Colin Kaepernick was robbed of, is economic opportunity in the NFL, and that is what they consistently refuse to make changes on. <laughs> Man, imagine she, she's a moron. Can she's you imagine <laughs> seeing everything yeah. in life through that lens? Wow. 
that well, that's, that's the lens of a race. I mean, is that ridiculous? Because I, I, I watched the halftime show, and in my mind, I saw Eminem just cede the spotlight back to Dre in that moment. I didn't even put a political spin on it or that it had any meaning other than, hey, it's show choreography. I mean, it's just yep. everything through that lens. Is, uh, could you imagine going through life every moment of everything and looking at everything that happens and only seeing it through that lens, that kind of a lens? Kind of sounds like our political discourse right now, doesn't it? Yep. In one breath, she's saying it's good. One breath, she's saying it's bad. One, I, I don't even know what she was saying in the end. Blaming them. Oh, it was a great night for them. Oh, but uh, he was, they didn't mention Kaepernick. Kaepernick. I mean, who's going to mention him? I mean, come on. It's like they were trying to make something out of nothing. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it was CNN, so possible but man, <laughs> man. Nothing out of nothing. I don't know. interested what the audience thinks about this am I, am I minimalizing this down to too simple of a um, hire the best guy what's the matter what he looks like hire the guy who thinks going to give you the most wins that too simplistic all right, sports, when we get back in news. All right, live from Studio 6B, 30 minutes past the hour, so a lot of agreement. Some people just sick the fact that we're even talking about the NFL, and that's fine. But, I mean, uh, some of these issues, I mean, I want to know what you think. I think it's crazy, their position. we got to try to have somebody on. Well, I'd love to have Michael Smith on here, his position, but he won't come on. So, uh, All right, let's do, some, let's do some sports, then we'll do some news. I kind of took that last segment. We were supposed <laughs> to be sports and news, but that's fine. Let's do sports now. What's going on, Slick Rick? All right, Big D. Uh, well... We, we, I'll skip the NFL uh, M&M uh, story I was going to run because we've already done that. But let's get to something that we all enjoy, and that's the rodeo. we got the 76th annual Yuma Silver Spur Rodeo, Yuma County Fairgrounds, Yuma, Arizona. Uh, All-around cowboy was Russell Cardoza, and uh, he was in tie-down roping and team roping. But bareback riding, Evan Bettany, 79 points on hunting cut rodeos, sassy pants. Sounds like one of my uh, my, bull, my horses. Uh, steer wrestling, high Yazzie, 4.4 seconds. Good score. Team roping, Riley Miner and Bradley Miner, 4.6 seconds. Saddlebronk, Reed Neely, 83 points on Salt River Rodeo's Flirt and Voice. Picked up 1,349 bucks. Tie-down roping, Cooper Anderson, 9 seconds. Bow racing, Sharon Harrell, 17.6 seconds. $2,300 winner there. And steer roping, first round uh, leader there, Neil Woods, 10.5 seconds. And last but not least, bull riding, Marco Juarez, 89 points on Honeycut Rodeo's Cajun Heat. Total payoff on that rodeo, $71,994. We had a little UFC action over the weekend, Big D. Israel Adesanya outpoints Robert Whitaker in unanimous decision win. Retains the UFC middleweight title. This is Mark Ramonde of ESPN. Uh, Houston, Israel Adesanya was the story all week. His new lucrative contract with the UFC. His teammates from City Kickboxing fighting on the same 
Dragon card and his current and future stardom at stake. And, uh, well, he sure enough pulled it out. He won. Uh, Asanya defeated Whitaker via unanimous decision, 48-47, 48-47, and 49-46 in the main event of UFC 271, Saturday night at the Toyota Center. Adesanya did leave the uh, octagon with his middleweight belt using his length and reach to counter Whitaker's boxing. And Adesanya's biggest success came with his kicks to Whitaker's leg. He now rolls to 22-1. and Pretty good record for Israel Adesanya, Big D. And Whitaker fell to 23-6. and uh, and that's a wrap in sports, Big D. I have some more rodeo, uh, a couple other Super Bowl stories in the last segment. Okay, very good, Slick Rick. I'm just communicating with the Getter audience on Getter on the real AM voice chat. Uh, I said, let's see some orange uh, hearts for Hillary in an orange jumpsuit. So. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm seeing a lot of them. I'm also seeing uh, people are just happy that you're back, Slick Rick. Yeah, thank you. Right, follow me at, at Slick Rick Sports. I follow you back. By the way, I just hit 3,000 tonight, Big D. Hey, very nice. good. In Getter. I'm so. seeing somebody on here asking about, um, what about Cornhole reporting? Yeah, well, Cornhole next is coming up this weekend. So we're going to have that. I, I, I'm on the Cornhole. Oh, it's for me. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, all right, let's do some news. And here with that, it's Rick Delgado. News is brought to you by, by the way, sports is brought to you. God, I didn't even say it. Sports is brought to you by our friend Mike Lindell, MyPillow.com. Those of you who have been emailing me, telling me you're getting your stuff or ordering your Giza sheets, the special 39 bucks. Well, I don't even know how you make those sheets for 39 bucks. It's a score. Use our code LFS6B for up to, uh, well, varies, but up to 60% off something. So I think the Giza sheets are 60% off right now. LFS6B, MyPillow.com. News is uh, brought to you by 7cells.com. Use our code for 10% off there. What's going on, Rick? All right. Well, I'm going to make this quick because I know you want to get back to the Durham stuff. But it uh, turns out that Moderna... Well, the CEO of Moderna, Stefan Bansell, uh, who was recently pushing a COVID-19 booster shot only weeks ago, has now canceled or deleted his personal uh, Twitter account, along with uh, continuing to sell tons of stock in the company that he leads. Down 12% today. Yes. Uh, according to numerous reports, his Twitter account, S. Bansell, has been deleted. In the past, Moderna's official... Uh, Bandura's official account would often tag its CEO, but the the account no longer exists. He was previously active on Twitter with more than four thousand tweets and six thousand followers. Um, and again, you know, it's uh, all of a sudden he's uh, he's running for the hills. Some say uh, clearly he's been dumping some stock. Some some say he sold as much as uh, nineteen thousand shares recently, as as recently as February second, and he's been selling stock uh, throughout the year. So it'll be interesting to see how this story unfolds. Um, again, why when when you know you, you've got such a quote unquote successful company that has. Uh, Clients on demand in the federal government will have to see what happens with this and, and why he decided to uh, close out his Twitter account. Also, as uh, Damon mentioned, the stock crashed and lost uh, about $140 billion as insiders are selling millions of dollars in shares. And that is uh, from earlier today. Well, I'll tell you why they're selling. I mean, I'll give you the simplistic reason they're selling is because obviously they're not going to keep these numbers up quarter at quarter as this thing starts to dissipate. You know, I mean, they're just not. Even if everybody gets vaccinated, they're not. They're just not going to keep the numbers up. So, it's, I mean, it's not all that surprising that insiders would sell. But right. we'll see. Yeah, Could be other reasons, too. But I, I would think on the most simplistic level, you got to think some of them are just taking profits because they figure the gravy train is going to come to an end at some point. Right. 
All right. Well, jumping back to uh, the Durham investigation, uh, the White House refused to answer questions on the Durham probe earlier today. Uh, White House Deputy Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre refused to answer questions about the Durham probe during Monday's press briefing, despite new revelations regarding Democrats' efforts to link former President Donald Trump to Russia. She was asked a great question. Uh, cut four, G. This is by the girl over at Fox. I can't. Her mind's. Her her name is slipping my mind right now. Uh, but but here it is. Roll that. This news about uh, the German Jackie investigation. Jackie um, Does the president have any concerns about a candidate for president uh, using computer experts to infiltrate computer systems um, of competing candidates, or even the president-elect, to you for the goal of creating a narrative? Is that something that? That's something I can't speak to from this podium, so I, I refer you to the Department of Justice. Is, is what was described in that report, monitoring internet traffic, is, is that spying? Again, I can't speak to that report. You, I, I refer you to the Department of Justice. Yeah. Generally sure. speaking, that with monitoring internet traffic, I keep my answers not going to change. I refer you to Department of Justice. I can't speak to that from here. Yeah, Jackie, I'm not going <laughs> to answer that. Can't answer. We haven't talked about it in five years. None of you have talked about it in five years. Only the conservative right-wingers talked about it five years ago and President Trump. And, if, and here's how we characterized it, by the way, Jackie. Let's go back to that cut 16, G. Here's what it looked like then. Roll that. We begin tonight with that breaking news. President Trump's striking allegations against former President Barack Obama. President Trump in a Twitter tirade accusing the former president of spying on him at Trump Tower by wiretapping phones, but offering no evidence or even what prompted those allegations. A spokesman for President Obama firing back saying neither the former president nor the Obama White House ordered or interfered with any such surveillance. This following reports of a dramatic and heated exchange, you see it there, inside the Oval Office with key Trump advisors, which led to some key aides not accompanying the president on Air Force One as he took off for Florida. ABC's chief investigative correspondent, Brian Ross, leading us off tonight. Brian Ross, who's fired. It was just before sunrise <laughs> Never in to Palm be heard Beach from again. when the president of the United States took to Twitter to make one of his most stunning accusations ever. Oh, Terrible. Just found out that Obama had my wires tapped in Trump Tower just before the victory. Nothing found. Followed by four more presidential outbursts taking on President Obama and misspelling tap. How low has President Obama gone to tap my phones during the very sacred election process? This is Nixon, Watergate, bad or sick guy. Today, a senator from the president's own party, along with U.S. Oh, intelligence officials, You're called it a troubling development. I'm very worried. I'm very worried that our president is suggesting that the former president is this done something illegal? It would be a crime to reveal such a secret FBI wiretap on Trump Tower. And no U.S. official contacted by ABC News would confirm the allegation. It's an extremely serious offense. Anyone who would reveal the existence of a wiretap uh, would <laughs> violate federal law. Because you the president doing, cited right? no proof, it is not clear tonight whether he based his allegations on a top-secret White House briefing or whether it came from reading an article on the conservative Breitbart website posted Friday that detailed speculation from a conspiracy-loving talk show host, like Mark Levin. <laughs> How many of those people were eavesdropped on how many had their conversations intercepted, yeah. recorded, Oops. transcribed? Oops. Because this, ladies and gentlemen, is the big scandal. 
A spokesperson Ultra. for President Obama quickly called the allegations false. And one of Obama's former national security aides, Ben Rhodes, responded to Trump. <laughs> He's knee -deep no in president can order a wiretap. Those restrictions were put in place to protect citizens from people like you. The oh, president's Twitter rage today did serve to keep the focus on Russia and contacts <laughs> between the Russian ambassador and at least five top Trump aides. Mm -hmm. And it comes a day after a Democratic member of the Senate Intelligence Committee told NBC News that key wiretaps are in fact part of the investigation, although he said he has not read them. There are transcripts that uh, provide very helpful, very critical insights uh, into whether or not Russian intelligence and senior Russian political leaders, including Vladimir Putin, um, were cooperating, were colluding uh, with the Trump campaign at the highest levels to influence the outcome of our election. And Chief Investigative Correspondent Brian Ross joins That's us now live in That's studio. You get the idea. Brian. Let's go to the American Spectator today. When Donald Trump claimed that he and his campaign had been spied upon by Democratic operatives, the corporate media mocked him, as I just showed you, uh, as either a delusional and paranoid or an outright liar. But now, thanks to the latest court filing by special counsel John Durham, it appears that once again, President Trump has been proven right. In the case of the United States versus Michael Sussman, Durham has filed a motion to inquire into defense counsel's possible conflicts of interest in which he states that his office possesses evidence proving that while attempting to establish a false narrative tying Trump to Russia, Sussman and others serving Hillary Clinton's presidential campaign exploited Internet traffic pertaining to Trump Tower, Donald Trump's Central Park West apartment building and the executive office of the president of the United States. As stated in the indictment, Sussman, a partner at the law firm which represented the Clinton campaign, worked in concert with others to concoct a false but plausible narrative that the Trump organization owned by Donald J. Trump was using a secret channel of communications to interact with a particular Russian bank, i.e. the Alpha Bank. And I, re I refer you back once again, to that tweet I showed you about Hillary Clinton uh, put out by Jake Sullivan, who is knee-deep in this and is currently serving this country in the Biden administration, and he's knee-deep in what's going on in um, Ukraine right now. Sussman is accused of making a false statement to the FBI General Counsel James Baker in September of 2016, meeting at FBI headquarters in Washington. At that meeting, Sussman is alleged to have presented the so-called white paper documents and data which purported to show secret internet communications between the trump organization and alpha bank as well as a white paper by fusion gps alleging alpha bank's ties to the kremlin in doing so sussman is alleged to have lied to baker when he said that he was not providing the material on behalf of a client when according to the recently filed motion he quote had assembled and conveyed the allegations to the fbi on behalf of at least two specific clients including a technology executive at a U.S.-based internet company and the Clinton campaign. More of this when I get back.
growing number of small business owners say they are passing higher costs onto their customers. The latest CNBC Survey Monkey Small Business Survey finds 47% of small business owners are raising prices up eight points from the fourth quarter. Another 32% say they will have to raise prices if inflation persists. And most think it will persist. 75% say inflation will still be a problem six months from now. And only 28% have confidence in the Fed's ability. Sound like the blues. Well, prices continue to rise. Businesses are going to continue to raise prices. Gas is going to continue to go up. And inflation is going to continue to rise, if you want my opinion. Some say I'm wrong. Let's hope I am. But uh, you need options. You have to consider your financial alternatives right about now, and I don't blame you. If paper money continues to become worthless, how do you protect your hard-earned savings? One of the options to consider, physical gold and silver, and as you know, our friends there, to talk to are our friends at Birch Gold Group. Philip Patrick joined us last week. He was fantastic. Birch Gold, they're experts in precious metals, an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, thousands of satisfied customers. Most importantly, they give you options. They have gold coins. You can convert an existing IRA into a gold IRA. You can even convert an eligible 401k account to a gold IRA. By the way, gold's on the move. Gold is on the move, as we talked about it last week. Here's how you get started. Text America right now to 989898. Birch Gold will send you a free information kit with no obligation. They'll show you how to protect your gold and silver investments in a tax-sheltered account. So get the facts. Get started today. You have nothing to lose. Text the word America. Send it to 989898. Get your free information kit right now from Birch Gold. They've made it super easy. Text America to 989898 and find out how owning gold and silver could help protect your savings. All right, 48 uh, past the hour, 49 now past the hour. Let's do a little more sports with Slick Rick. What's going on, pal? All right, D, just one more quick rodeo to San Antonio Stock Show and Rodeo. That's uh, February 10th through the 26th. Long one, San Antonio, Texas, AT&T Center. Bareback riding. These are all bracket two. Third round, Anthony Thomas, 84 points on championship rodeos. Catnap. Uh, steel wrestling, third round, Peyton McIntyre, 3.4 seconds. Good score. Uh, team roping. Uh, Chad Masters and Corey Petska, 4.6 seconds, also a good score. Saddle Bronc riding, uh, Brady, Brody Crest, 90 points on championship rodeos, Feather Fluffer. Hey, Ricky, you like that horse. Uh, tie down <laughs> roping, uh, Shane Hanchy, 8.4 seconds, picked up 2,500 cool ones. Bow racing, Sissy Win, good score, 14.14 14 seconds, picked up 2,500 bucks. And last but not least, Bull Riding, Cole Fisher, 79 points on 41 and Diamonds Rodeo, Lawless Frontier. And the great state of Ohio, specifically Cincinnati, they needed some good news today. Coach Luke Fickle will be back with the Bearcats through 2028, signed a $5 million a year deal. And Cincinnati had a good year this year in college football as well as they finished in the top four. And Big D, back to you. That's a wrap. All right, thanks, Slick Rick. Good to have you back. We'll do Crazy Town here in a couple minutes here. But just back to this piece in the American Spectator. Anything else in news, Rick, you want to get to? No, it's all it's all Durham, man. Yeah, so this piece says, as the indictment makes clear, this is the key part, the purpose of the meeting was to try to induce the FBI to launch an investigation of Trump's possible ties to Russia. While the conspirators expressed doubts that their false narrative would survive serious scrutiny, they believed that it would be plausible enough to get the FBI 
to open an investigation of Trump. Once that happened, word of the investigation would be, and in fact was, disseminated to the news media in time to produce an electoral backlash against Trump. Uh, But even more damning, the indictment alleges that Sussman met with the employees of another U.S. government agency, Agency 2, at a location outside the District of Columbia after Trump had been inaugurated. This meeting took place on or about February 9th, 2017, at, at which time Sussman provided to Agency 2 employees several white papers and multiple data files containing purported DNS internet data ranging from 2016 through early 2017. According to the motion, Sussman told the Agency 2 employees that he was not representing a particular client in conveying the above allegations when in truth... He was representing Tech Executive One, a fact the defendant subsequently acknowledged under oath before Congress. The motion also states that Sussman provided Agency 2 with data which he claimed uh, reflected internet traffic between Trump Tower, Trump's New York City apartment, and the executive office of the president with internet protocol IP addresses affiliated with a Russian mobile phone provider, Uh, Sussman claimed that the data demonstrated that, quote, Trump and or his associates were using supposedly rare Russian-made wireless phones in the vicinity of the White House and other locations. I mean, it 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 just goes on and on and on. The extent to which the Clinton campaign not only spied on the Trump uh, campaign, the transition, but as president as well, is just astounding. They enlisted hackers, they planted fake evidence, and they planted that evidence with the sole intent on using the media to then make it look legitimate and be able to point to it and say, look, they picked it up. It's just Stunning to see it all come full circle five years later. Yeah. And and you know what? It's going to be interesting to see if the mainstream media, like the, uh, you know, the CNNs of the world, they're going to pick up on this stuff or they're just going to keep looking away. Don't look. No, no, no. We can, we can't be involved. Yeah. We'll see. All right. uh, We'll do more on this tomorrow. I could do three hours tonight on this, but let's do crazy town because Kamala Harris today saved the internet. Roll it, G. Uh, It it is part of the reason that we are so excited about this effort. It is because it's about investing in the future of our nation. (laughs) So it is a pleasure to be here today. And I want to thank Jaleesa for really pointing out how essential the Internet is is and how essential it is to have an internet connection, not only for the sake of of their educational success, um, but in so many ways that is about understanding the full reality of a full human being. Our world has moved online. And that is why from day one, the president and I have fought to make it easier for everyone to access and afford high-speed internet. You see, during the pandemic, millions of people, families in particular, depended on high-speed internet. Many workers use the internet to do their jobs virtually. 
People everywhere use high-speed internet to stream movies for family movie night. Jalisa talked about that. More than 42 million people in our country, 42 million people, do not have access to high-speed internet, which obviously means students are sitting in fast food restaurant parking lots right. to lights. do their homework right. over public Wi-Fi. Also, two true champions of our nation's working people. FCC Chairwoman Jessica Rosenworcel. Well, the president and I know that the cost of living has gone up and we are working hard to help working families pay their bills. She's locked in on that If you are eligible yeah. to receive affordable <laughs> broadband support, or even if you think you might be eligible, please call the number on the screen or visit, I'm gonna give you a website, acpbenefit.gov when we connect families and workers students and small business owners with high-speed internet we connect them to opportunity to buy groceries through an app to deposit a check without having to go to the bank in short the opportunity to live healthier what a weighty speech (laughs) efficient and more prosperous lives heavy duty stuff this is what so much of our administration's work comes down to sure i mean listen this is why you this is why picking a vice this is heavy vice presidential stuff here Mm, mm, mm. based on based on of course her her intelligence her merit everything that got her ahead in life at all wonderful it's all coming together in that speech right there <laughs> we're streaming on netflix he <laughs> stinks as always <laughs> we salute our military active and active police firefighters first responders all first responders emts everybody on the front lines protecting us thanks everybody thanks slick rick welcome back thanks g thanks fran most of all thank you to live from studio 6b audience we'll see you tomorrow night 8 p.m live from studio 6b